I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit AbyssBattery.com. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Join Justin Townsend and the Harvesting Nature crew as they explore the world of cooking wild fish and game while sharing recipes, tips, tricks, and lessons learned from their pursuit of wild food. We sure hope you ate before the show, because you're going to leave hungry. This is the Wild Fish and Game Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to Harvest and Nature's Wild Fishing Game Podcast. You got your host here, Justin Townsend, and man oh man, it has been uh, quite a while uh, since since we recorded an episode. We, we had a lot of surplus episodes from the early part of the summer, and then we took a little break, enjoyed a little summer vacation, a little time with the family, time with the kids, and now we're back at it, because it is officially September we're marking this really the first, uh, I think it is the first week in September, right? First full week? Yes. Yeah. It yeah. is the first Wednesday in September, so we're officially recording in September. Um, so, needless to say, hunting season is here, or is about to be here for much of the country. Uh, for me, it is here. We are kicked off uh, archery elk on the 2nd uh, here in Colorado, so... Um, that's in full swing. And then, Corey, when do seasons start kicking off for you? So, uh, the early season of goose just started. Uh, well, started September 1st along with dove. And then this coming Saturday is our squirrel opener, which I'm excited about. My daughter has been practicing with the 22 for a little bit, so she's... Uh, She's she's not looking too bad with it, so hopefully uh, she can get her first squirrel on her own this year. So nice. And then archery deer starts the first week, first Saturday in October. So we got a little bit, little bit to go for that, but I uh, got plenty to do in the meantime. Perfect. Yeah, lots to do. I saw you were out goose hunting already, huh? Yes, yes, we went the Labor Day morning. There is a uh, a river not too far from the house, and uh, a few weeks ago, a friend and I uh, took a canoe trip, did some fishing and scouting. Just kind of was a dual purpose trip. You know, I caught some nice bass. <laughs> I caught a nice pike, and uh, we figured out where the goose. The geese are uh, hanging out, and so we took that knowledge with us on on Labor Day. But uh, we employed the help of of some of our friends. So we float down um, in a canoe. A friend and I are in the canoe, Jeremy and I. And Jeremy's been on the podcast, um, the Flintlock mm-hmm. podcast. And then mm-hmm. Tony, who's also been on the f- podcast, the Flintlock episode. Um, was in a double kayak with his son, Joe. And then um, another one of our friends, Adam, was in was solo in his kayak. And um, Jeremy had his dog. Adam had, had his dog. And t- Tony had his dog. 
which is it's a little challenging you know dogs in a canoe and or kayak you know they want to they're they want to get out and get those birds but uh so it was a little challenging at first but we got the hang of it first time we've done it with the with this many people and and this many dogs but um so we just floated down the river and uh would see the flock and the, like we may would once we see the flock we'd make a plan okay you guys go this way we'll go this way and it worked out pretty well um the last flock that we hit we hit perfectly the the guys in the kayak got flushed them up and they flushed right over me and jeremy and we he went three for three and i got two out of three shots and so and uh the crazy thing we got we got in Pennsylvania, the early goose season in our zone, you can get eight per day per person. So you can get quite a few geese. Uh, but between oh, the five so of us, we got geese. Yeah, we we got twelve that um, the other morning, and of those twelve, two were banded, which I thought was pretty, uh, pretty well, cool. That's super but, cool. Um, one the band the bird that I got it was banded in June of this year, just a few miles up the road. So it wasn't super interesting. Um, but the other bird that was, uh, that was killed, we think Joey got it. Uh, it was banded in 2007 at Lehigh university, wow. which is, which is my alma mater. I went to Lehigh university, but it's, it's a six hour drive from here. So it's clear on the other side of the state. So it's a 15-year-old bird from across the state. So we thought that was pretty cool. Oh, wow. That is super cool. You could tell the difference in the bands, too. The The old the old bird had a real thin, it was kind of flimsy band that you could, you know, uh, bend with your hand. And the one that was banded this year, like you could, I had to get pliers to open it up to get it off the bird. So you could definitely tell the difference, but. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was a good day. We had a lot of fun. That's awesome. No, I, um, let's see. I didn't, I did not go out for dove opener. So it opened here the same, uh, September 1st. Um, I was out, um, on Monday hiding, uh, one of the workshop quest box, which I think by the time people are hearing this, the, it will hopefully have been found, but if not go over to Instagram page and you can check and see the clues and follow the little journey of, of everyone trying to find that box. But, um, so with that, it, uh, you know, I did a little bit of elk scouting too. Uh, didn't do any hunting cause we weren't, weren't in the right spot for it. It's still super hot here. So it's like, uh, they had put a heat advisory out today for like the Denver metro area. So it was like 97. Um, but this weekend, uh, it's supposed to drop down into the fifties and the forties, uh, is the low. So hopefully, uh, that's a sign that it's going to start cooling. Uh, and then I'm headed back out, uh, close here to Denver for, I have an over the counter cow elk tag for archery. And then, I've got a elk tag later in November for fourth rifle and then up in Wyoming, uh, coming up next month here as well for pronghorn in Colorado. I'm kind of starting my little fall, fall trips. So we'll see. I'm doing a hunt with, uh, backcountry hunters and anglers, uh, up by steamboat Springs. We'll be going out with some veterans there over veterans day weekend. So that'll be super fun, uh, to help, help out, uh, as they do some elk hunting up there should be fun. But, um, other than that, um, other big news, we have one seat left in our December pig camp. So that's kind of a big deal. One, one hanging Chad, I guess you could call it. I don't know. It sounds, sounded legit. Um, <laughs> it determines the fate of the camp. No. Um, it uh one seat left, so hop on that, get it. Uh, it's a great price. We're we're working on confirming times for next year. Uh, we're shooting for May and December again for next year. We're also shooting to add a Florida uh, wing shooting 
camp. So it'll be duck, snipe, and dove. But same structure as our pig camps, uh, shooting instruction, we're looking at skeet, uh, we're looking at hunting, uh, butchering, cooking of waterfowl and upland birds down in Florida. So that should be pretty fun. Um, we'll look hopefully January time frame for that, which is a great time to go to Florida, especially if you're living in the Great White North like, uh, like Corey is there with his, with his puppy dog. Let's see. Outside of that, uh, Adam Berkelman's still rocking it with the Antler and Finn podcast. So go check that out on on our. I mean, you can look on any podcast platform. It's there. So it's a great show. He he does dive into a bit of the history uh, and some of the cultural aspects of some of the dishes and their origins, and then gets down to the recipes and he chooses the recipes he's going to talk about. Does a really great job. A lot of a lot of really cool foodie content on that one. Um, and then our spice blends too. So we are, we have out now currently our big game spice blend that's back in stock in the store. We've got our upland fowl blend, which we've got a few bottles left. Um, we've got, uh, and our wild fish blend, which is phenomenal. That was the most recent that came out. And in the works, we have a small game blend and a waterfowl blend. Hopefully those are out within the next two months getting prepped up for the fall hunting season so we have the full line available and uh we'll sell those like individually or um as a big pack so maybe we'll do like a special release on on a holiday season where you get like buy two get one free or something like that or buy three get one free i don't know we'll figure it out but you know i think uh a combo of the spice blends would make an excellent gift for your friend that is a hunter and wild game cook yeah absolutely for the perfect for the perfect for the holiday season too um but also too our fall our fall issue of harvesting nature magazine is in the works uh look for it october time period probably mid to later october uh but we'll get that going and then the winter issue is coming out uh january time frame so keep an eye out for all of those awesome things. We're continuing to roll forward with the magazine, so you can uh, buy a subscription virtually online, or you can order individual copies print on demand. We are exploring print media options for retailers, so that may or may not happen. But if it does, go look at a store near you at the magazine rack for the Harvest in Nature magazine. Trust me, we'll let you know when it happens. Uh, but... Lots of cool things going on. But let's get down to the meat of the subject today. Um, so given that it is the end of the off season for some and the beginning of the hunting season for others, we thought it was a good time to bring up, um, we don't talk about meat care or freezer management or any of those things. We've kind of hit on those in the past, but uh, we really wanted to focus on what are some great ways to clean out your freezer, clear out your freezer, whichever way you want to phrase it, before the hunting season begins? Because I know a lot of times folks either are like my case where you have very little leftover meat in the freezer and you're like, all right, I'm going to save these few pieces for the last, you know, the last really enjoyable ones. Or you're in Corey's position where you're a meat hoarder and you are hoarding your game meat <laughs> for for that special meal but wherever you're at in this perspective uh we've got some some thoughts for you and hopefully some ideas if you're looking to uh quickly process or cook meat however you're looking to do it so um let's start off with this Corey. what do you have left in your freezer I I am fortunate to have quite a bit left in the freezer. I don't know how. I only got two deer last year, so I don't know why I have so much left. Um, I don't know if we cooked other things, but I have I have quite a bit. I have I run the gamut of stuff: um, pheasants, goose, turkey, deer. I have a lot of stuff, so um, I. Uh, I just can. I just got to continue to rotate, rotate the freezer, get the older stuff on top. So yeah, I, I have quite a bit of stuff 
stuff left in uh, in my freezer, thankfully. Um, so uh, I have the ability to to use it how I see fit now because I have I have so much that I can I can play around with things, which is a nice nice position to be in. So two two deer, roughly. Yeah, two deer, roughly. Yeah, we've I've I've broken into that. And what what had happened? Um, so this past year they made my hunting area a CWD area because mm. they found a positive deer, um, in a uh, on a deer farm that's not too far from my house. And so when I went to when I killed the deer and I went to butcher it. I didn't want to run all all the stuff through the, the stuff that I typically run through the grinder. I didn't want to run through the grinder in case it was positive, so I chunked it up, froze it, uh, and threw it in the uh, chunked it up, vac sealed it, and fr- threw it in the freezer for both of the deer. And you know, two weeks later, I got negative test results, but it just kind of stayed in there. So it was. I think it was the beginning of the summer when we when I finally did it, but I took all of that and made uh, a huge batch of sausage, and then divvied that up into different types of sausage. Um, okay, hold your thought. Um, You're sneaking into that territory. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, um, all good. So, any sorry. any any random very interesting bits of cuts of meat or animals you have in your freezer. I have probably a couple dozen goose hearts in my freezer right now that I need to figure out what I'm going to do with them and how to cook them. Oh, you know, you know what you should do. So if you go over to the website and you look at, you have to look it up. It's one of the cooking classes. Um, I think I have it posted as a post. If not, we'll we'll get it up as a post. But it's the um, where'd it go? Oh, the Japanese venison heart skewers. That recipe for hearts oh, yes. is like yes, phenomenal. Uh, I cooked that recently. I went to uh, BHA. They had a, like a wild game potluck which kind of plays into what we're talking about, but they call it like clean out your freezer potluck. And I had three antelope parts that I like cut up and grilled on the spot at that event. But I used uh, the marinade and, and sauce from that Japanese venison heart skewers. And you take it, you mix the sauce in the blender, you prep the hearts out, um, and then you put the hearts on skewers. You soak, soak the meat in the... Um, Actually, you soak the meat in the sauce before, like let it marinate for an hour or so. Um, And then you put it on the skewers. Then you grill it and you kind of brush on more sauce as you go. And then you serve it over rice or uh, like Asian noodles or whatever. And then you add a little bit more sauce to it. Man, oh man, it's so good. I really enjoyed it. Oh man, making me hungry. Did you eat? Yeah, maybe that's... (laughs) I did. Okay. We... We, uh, my wife made spaghetti with homemade, uh, pasta sauce from our, uh, tomatoes and basil from our garden. It was really good, but talking about this makes me hungry Ooh. too. So let's see. Um, any, any other, any other wobbly bits you got in there? Wobbly bits. I think I might have some ground bear floating around mm. in there that I need to use up. And then I I have a lot of a lot of pheasant left I think that I need to use up because um we do that veterans pheasant hunt mm-hmm. and you know we we tell the the hunters to take it with it but there's always some that gets left behind and unfortunately I'm the one that has to to bring it home. Oh so yeah, you're like, oh darn! <laughs> I'll take those pheasants. <laughs> so I have I have an abundance of I I wouldn't say abundance. I have more <clears throat> more than normal of those that I need to figure out what I want to do. Nice. 
Let's see. I'm, I'm thinking through mine. So I still have a bit of alligator left. It's probably time to cook that. It's been it's been a couple years now. Um, I just cleared out the last bit of fish I had. Um, I did the antelope hearts. I have a whole pig leg in in the freezer, and then I've got quite a bit of antelope steak and I think one more antelope roast and bones for stock because i haven't made stock in a little while so i still have several packages of bones need to do that i i built up my bone collection there for a while and i finally used it i think this spring and then the cwd uh area deer i didn't keep the bones on so i need to i need to stock back up on my bones that's fair and I did, uh, I had shanks. I had several packets of shanks. I still have a pack of pork shanks, but I did a bunch of antelope shanks. And so we did our other dish that we did for the BHA uh, potluck. I did uh, antelope shank Philly cheesesteak sliders. And so super simple. Took the wild game rub uh, or the big game rub that we have, rubbed the meat down, put it in a crock pot, did a little bit of stock, a little bit of beer, and a little bit more seasoning and just let it cook while I was at work and then got off of work and just pulled it apart, like chopped it up and then put it on the buns with like provolone and uh, roasted peppers and onions and all that. And then like toasted it and served, man, those things went fast. So we, we did something like that recently. Um, it was a cheap, I I don't want to say cheap man's chili cheesesteak, but I had a I had a bunch of ground venison, so I sautéed peppers, mushrooms, onions, and then did the. Uh, I have a I just got a I shouldn't say just got a the end of winter I got a blackstone flat top griddle. Ooh yeah. Um. So. Um, out on that, I cooked the, the ground venison and then sauteed the, the vegetables and then mixed them together with, you know, the seasoning. And then you put like a cup of stock with, uh, cornstarch mixed in and it thickens that up and then, um, buttered some buns and put them on the griddle to get them nice and crispy and then put some like garlic mayonnaise on it, and then the uh, we what did we get smoked cheddar, put that mm. on there, slap on, slap on the uh, the meat, and then uh, wrap it up in tin foil and put it put it back on there, um, and uh, let it get toasty and melty, and it was it's good stuff. Holy smokes, that sounds good. Now you're making me hungry. I did not eat before the show. I broke the golden rule. Um, you did. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? but after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com waypoint. That's mintmobile.com waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears. Multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. So one thing 
one reason why I wanted to talk a little bit about freezers is or freezer meats, freezer stockpiles is like ultimately there's a you know good bit of conversation if you poke around on the internet about how long meat is really good for in the freezer and how long you should keep it there. And so I think a lot of that depends on how you store it, uh, whether you're using freezer paper or fax seal or whatever, whatever you're doing. Um, so the USDA recommends that cuts like roast, uh, roast steaks, all those things. Roast can be frozen anywhere from four to 12 months and steaks six to 12 months. And they recommend ground beef, which is, you know, kind of the closest thing we're working with, uh, should be frozen for no more than three to four months. But caveat being, if things are vac sealed, then they can usually be stored in the freezer for one to three years. Uh, and that's depending on the type of the meat. And that's going to depend a lot on the fat in the meat, because a lot of the times the fat will spoil faster than the meat will. And so to leave your meat, you know, you hear people say like tainted meat, or they take it out of the freezer and it smells bad after they thaw it out or, you know, things like that. Um, I would say like I typically, my goal is to try to get through my freezer at least 20% of the way um, before the season starts. That way I have a clear, but also I have kind of a smaller freezer. So if I, if I had taken elk this year, I would be investing in another freezer. And I know, Corey, you've got a larger freezer, so you get a little bit more room. Actually, I have three medium-sized freezers. It's larger than my so one small I, freezer. <laughs> yeah. I I thought we had two, and I thought one died on me. So I hurried up and bought another one, and then defrosted the one that I thought went bad, cleaned it all out, and plugged it back in, and it started working. So now I have three. Nice. Well, and all three of them are filled up now. Yeah. So with that, let's now diverge into the world of the top things to do with with meat you want to get rid of quickly, and if you're stockpiling or whatever. And this is going to range a little bit. Um, we're not really going to hit on fish. Uh, I'll mention fish a little bit, but uh, I think a lot with fish you want to try to eat it sooner rather than later, unless you're like stockpiling it for. For a long time, but I, I find it a lot of fish doesn't really freeze well. Um, certain fish do, but you're going to lose some of the flavor and quality of that uh, over time. And I know like flash freezing in the boat or at a processing facility is way different than like you putting it in the freezer yourself. So um, there are some steps that can go with it, but uh, I'm a big advocate of eating fresh fish when you have fresh fish. Uh and if you have excess, like try to get through it pretty quickly. But um, all right. Well, let's let's see. You mentioned it earlier, Corey. What's what's the f- what's one of the easiest ways you think? Uh, what's one of the easiest ways to get through some meat? Making sausage. Sausage. Gotta gotta go. Heck yeah. yeah go. And that's always a, a crowd pleaser at my house. Yeah, you know, breakfast sausage and boudin. Well, even if you so. you get it and you grind it down, and then you uh, you get it cased up, then you're gonna reduce. You're gonna have some reduction in, in meat there, uh, which is always good and should be good to package up, and make different kinds. Now, so when you let me ask you this: when you make sausage, do you grind it all and then like divide it up and season it differently and then case it? Or do you like grind what you're going to case and then case it specifically with a flavor? I have a sausage stuffer, but I find myself just doing bulk sausage for patties and stuff. It to me, it's the cost benefit time that it takes to do it is not beneficial for what we use it for. So I ended up not casing it at all. So like I was saying with my two deer that I got this past season, 
Uh, I didn't grind them right away because I was waiting for the CWD results. And um, so I had the, I froze it all in like, you know, inch cubes. And then I think early this summer, I just defrosted it all at once. I don't know how, you know, 40, 50 pounds maybe. And um, I had 25 pounds of pork lard. And I just spent an entire day. Actually, it, it bled into a second day, I think. And I just spent that time grinding the meat, grinding the, the pork lard, mixing, uh, and then mixing different batches. So I ground the meat and the lard all together. And then I divvied it up into the different uh, seasoning, you know, different batches that I wanted the seasoning. So, you know, half maple sausage, half boudin, or like a third maple sausage, a third boudin, and I did a third that was unseasoned that will just have mm. like uh, like fatty venison burgers. Ooh, nice. So I found out, speaking of sausage and seasonings, so when we were at pig camp, we ground up a bunch of pork and used it to make breakfast sausage, right? Because our goal was at the pig camp to serve as much of wild pig we pretty much had wild pig every meal in different manners like adam berkelman did a great job preparing everything but we on the last day we made like uh basically like sausage muffin sandwiches uh with with english muffins and we used breakfast sauce that we mixed up so we took the upland fowl blend that we have uh and added fennel and added um red pepper flakes and salt because it's kind of low on salt and use that as like our breakfast sausage blend uh like a little bit of maple syrup in there and like holy smokes it was really good but i think that's that's a good way i like how you portion it out too and not always using the casing i'm uh i like i like making sausage uh you know we've had several podcasts on making sausage we had a whole one titled the sausage party where we went pretty in-depth into it with uh adam Steele and uh, a couple other folks were on there and they really gave kind of their professional perspective to sausage making and uh yeah i mean it, it's it's an art so it, it's good to go but We've got some recipes up on the website if you're looking for some sausage-making resources, which are pretty good. Um, one, the first one I'll talk about here, um, is by John Vile, and it's ancho and chipotle chili smoked venison sausage. This is a really good one. Um, I'm a big fan right now is... is uh, chili season here in Colorado and in New Mexico. So all the chilies are running out and everybody's taking that and grinding and making, adding it to their sausage and doing all kinds of stuff. Uh, I've been a big fan. Recall like the last meat eater, um, series that came out, they had Jesse Griffiths on there and he was using, uh, tortillas as, as his binder in there with the meat and i've been really really behind that and i'm i'm looking at playing around with that i'll probably do it here pretty soon with making some pork sausage with some green chilies and using tortillas like is my binder inside there to try to like give it some cool unique flavor but something to think about but that one using the chilies in there if you like spicy stuff it's a good way to go you know uh those those smoked chilies like that always give a lot of good flavor and they're not always super hot so you can kind of play with the spice how you want either way but uh john just made those up and then put them in uh looks like an upright like propane smoker and uh let it roll uh and they look like it came out really really well so that's one thing you can do uh let's see what's the other one here so i did one a while back antelope on dewey sausage and so um I didn't do this with. Oh, I didn't hit the right button. I didn't do this with the big chunks of uh, of fat like you normally see uh, with andouille sausage. Like it wasn't super fat heavy. I kept it kind of lean, um, but I I really enjoy using the antelope and I like putting a lot of flavors in there. Um, 
and I did use uh, Tender Quick on this one to kind of keep some of that that curing ability. So you could definitely smoke those, but it'll keep that sausage like nice and pink. Um, I think in there as well, I did I did onion minced up in there, so you can see that kind of prevalent throughout. But that's a, that's a really good sausage. Enjoy eating that with like cheese and crackers and stuff too. So a little bit of cure to it as well. And then, uh, Corey, you like making boudin, you said. How do you make your boudin? Yes. Well, the, with this last, so boudin typically traditionally has liver in it, right? Yep. So with this last batch, I, you know, it was a big batch. I didn't keep the liver from my, my deer. And so I, I omitted the liver from it, but... Shame, um, shame on you, it, Corey, for not keeping the liver. <laughs> it, it's yeah, it's a close family friends recipe that the uh, that they shared with me. Um, there's a seasoning blend. Um, unfortunately, it's not ours. Uh, but uh, that that I buy, it's like a Cajun, hot Cajun blend. Um. And then uh, I get those uh, freezer packs of peppers and onions. Mm-hmm. So they're already cooked peppers and onions, and they're just frozen. So you just warm them up. Uh, but I like a already frozen because grind, it's easier to grind it when they're frozen like that. And then um, it's like a tri... I'd have to look at the, at the package. It's like a tri-blend of rice. Um, that I think we just get at Walmart, but it has uh, white, brown, wild, and red rice in it. Okay. So it's it's called uh, Rice Select Royal Blend. Um, and mix, you know, cook that beforehand, let it cool down, and then when I'm grinding everything up, uh, or when I'm after I've ground everything up and I'm adding the spice blend, I'll put the rice in there too and mix it all up. So has the rice, has the peppers and onions and, and the seasoning and, you know, depending on how I feel and how much lard I have, you know, the percentage, you know, 25 to 40%, uh, lard in the, in the meat mixture. So it comes out comes out pretty good. We like to make the boudin balls. So make meatballs, egg wash, panko. We put it in the air fryer. It's good that way. Ooh, nice I haven't done it in the moist. air fryer. We talked about doing a an air fryer slash Instapot podcast. I'm still on the fence. I guess, yeah, next week. Yeah. <laughs> um. No, that sounds good. I, I like boudin. Uh, I like cased boudin. I grew up eating quite a bit of that. My mom was a big fan. Uh, but I do like boudin balls too. So like you're preparing and rolling them in the panko and stuff like that's pretty delicious. Um, and then the last recipe that I got for the sausage duck sausage, uh, which pretty pretty magical. Um, if you think about it, I would say it's probably good for duck or goose. It would be a great candidate for our waterfowl blend. I feel like I'm pushing all this, all the uh, the spice blends, but they're great. So this is um, this uses a 75 to 25, so 75 percent waterfowl, 25 percent pork fat. Uh, so if you're doing poundage, three pounds of waterfowl meat to one pound of pork fat. So if you have a bunch of waterfowl meat, you can easily get through it pretty quickly. White vinegar, bunch of spices brown sugar um i love the fact that they point out before you start grinding make sure your equipment is very cold i agree with that wholeheartedly that was part of our sausage making makes things so much easier uh and even have have the meat partially frozen that that helps a lot as well um they so then yeah they basically just uh just Grind it and then stuff it in the casing. Um, frozen. If you want to, free- if you want to put it back in the freezer, 
put it back in the freezer. Um, but no, I think those are really that, great. Yeah, that, that's what I did with my sausage. It yeah. was all frozen. I made those big batches and packaged it up and put it back in the freezer. Eat it when, when, uh, when my little heart desires and it still tastes good. Perfect, perfect. Um, next thing we, we hit up was jerky. I think everybody likes jerky. I don't know many people that don't like jerky. Right. It's one of those things, though, in my opinion, you only do it when you have an, an abundance of meat. So, mm-hmm. like, if you're trying to clean out the freezer and you have that big, you know, chunk of hind quarter left, you slightly, you know, that way you get you get rid of meat, a lot of meat pretty quickly, and it never feels like you get much in return, as much as you'd want. I think a, a cool one. So if you do have fish for jerk, uh, if you do have fish, uh, Casey posted, what was it back on the 29th on our Instagram page, um, a trout jerky recipe that he likes to take with him elk hunting. Um, and it's a play on Hank Shaw's recipe in Hook, Line, and Supper. But essentially, you dry brine uh, equal, you create a dry brine uh, equal parts brown sugar and kosher salt. And then you you dry brine the trout overnight or however, however long. I don't know how specifically it didn't dictate how long to dry brine it. Um, and then you smoke it at 190 degrees for about four hours. And get some nice trout jerky. So if you got a bunch of excess trout, I'm imagining you could do that with salmon as well. You'd probably want to play with your cooking temps a little bit and your time based on the, a thicker cut. But I think that'd be super good. So there's jerky. Um, let's see what else we got. We got uh, Lone Star jerky. You know what Lone Star jerky is? I do not. You know what Lone Star is? It's a famous beer in Texas. You can only you can only buy it in Texas, but uh, AJ wrote this recipe. He's he lives down in Austin, and so he used uh, two pounds of venison roast and a twelve ounce Lone Star beer, brown sugar, soy sauce, uh, a bunch of other stuff, some seasonings. Basically, cut it. He used so I think a good key to mention with jerky is like keeping it cold, slightly frozen to slice it super thin. And I think Corey, you had. You had some experience with uh, using the Weston jerky slicer at one point. Um, back, this has been a long time ago. Um, but yeah. trying to get cut. So um, I think a cool. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely have it fro- partially frozen. Makes things a lot easier. And uh, AJ2 mentioned two, two interesting points here cutting with the grain will result in cheerier jerky if you desire it or you cut it against the grain and it kind of breaks apart more um and then using a sharp fillet knife or an electric carving knife uh that those will also help you i i upgraded to a meat slicer makes it uh a lot faster i have a meat slicer as well yeah it's pretty pretty good um so then Throw everything, sorry, throw everything in a Ziploc bag and, uh, you know, let it go in the refrigerator for 12 to 18 hours, pull it out and dehydrate it. And you want to, you will want to dehydrate it with a dehydrator that will get it to temperature, uh, to kill bacteria. So be sure you have one of those. Not every, not all dehydrators are created equal. And then, um, yeah, I would say that. Think about environment, too. If you live in a really humid place, you may have to let it dehydrate a little longer, too. Um, and then the last one we have for jerky, a little garlic soy venison jerky. So um, kind of the same same process, just different seasonings. So using black peppercorns. Um, what else? This one's Brad's recipe. So he's got two pounds of stripped venison with quarter inch thick, uh, eight cloves garlic, brown sugar with sister shear, soy sauce. Uh, you can add in cayenne or how, hot How do you pep- say that? Worcestershire. How do you say it? Worcestershire. 
Whoa, what is that? You probably say it closer to me. You probably say it closer to the correct version because you live closer to England. So. <laughs> is that how it works? Yeah. Um, Worcestershire. No idea. Um, same, same exact process. So um, does, yeah, so Brad mentions using a professional dehydrator set to 155 Fahrenheit. Uh, but you, he mentions USDA recommends uh, heating red meat to 160 to kill all the bacteria. So some food for thought. You can also, if you don't have a dehydrator, you could use a smoker as well. Uh, you're just your shelf life may and, not be uh, as long. Uh, uh, the Instacure. Use the Instacure. Oh yeah, you can use the Instacure. The yep, yep, yep. Also, too. Um, all right. What's what's the next thing on our list? What what would you do next with your meat? What would I do next? Chili. Chili. Yeah, I was just gonna say that chili. Ooh, what about your braised and squirrel chili? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be squirrel. Like you could do. I mean, you could throw. I wouldn't hesitate to throw squirrel and rabbit and pheasant all in the same pot to 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 create you know to get the meat off the bone and to create the chili yeah that's fair good way to use use you know clean up the bottom of the freezer you got three different animals there meats i would say relatively similar and use it for them to uh, make a big batch of chili um, yeah, and I think that that's pretty, pretty good. We have a bunch of chili recipes on there. Um, your braised squirrel chili is a pretty good one. Like you mentioned, you can use a variety of different types of cuts and game animals for that. Waterfowl too. You can make waterfowl. We made rabbit chili before where you either do like sort of in years where you didn't grind it before. You just cooked it with the bones, then shredded it and then kind of made a chili, right? Right. Yeah, so I've done it too where if you want way more labor intensive is where you like bone out all the rabbit and then grind it and then make chili. Like it's a, a different process, same probably same result. Uh, and then I did probably one of my favorites, and I think this one's pretty favorite, is the venison and black bean chili with cornbread waffles. I think it's the cornbread waffles that make it. Like that's just a – yes. That's a fun. Yeah, my my wife made this one. It was the waffles is is the uh, is the key to that. Recipe. I haven't made this one in a while. I need to make it again. My kids really liked it. Um, but I think like with this one, uh, with this one, it's I just use one pound of ground venison and uh, put a bunch of spices and beans and all that stuff in there uh some chili mix and then but yeah the uh i think the waffle though that's where it's at that's that's what that's what uh sets it apart yeah so and really recipes out there but but (laughs) but this the, the waffle makes it supreme um, I'll right. take that. Thanks. <laughs> um, and then last, uh, we've really like three more, but I'll, I'll move, move through these ones. So deli meats. So think roast beef, think like sliced stuff you're going to eat later for like sandwiches. Uh, so like we've got venison pastrami, great recipe on there for that. Corey does goose pastrami. So you said you do beyond goose though. You use a couple other cuts of meat when you're doing that. Right. So, I I will typically save the ball roasts. So I don't know the technical term for it, but it looks like a football in the, the hind quarter of the deer. And I'll save it both is, of those. It is in off fact called deer. ball roast. Is it? I thought there was mm-hmm. a more technical term for it. But uh, I'll save I'll save those from each each leg of each of the deer I get, and then um, then take several goose breasts and just do a big batch of pastrami because you know i get the smoker going might as well do a bunch of stuff 
and because my my kids love it too they eat it like candy so make a big batch and then i i uh freeze it in like half pound um vac packs and you know i'm not sure what we should have for dinner oh let's you know grab a pack of that it thaws out quickly you know make make sandwiches real quick for dinner or for lunch and kids eat it and you know, put a fancy mustard and fancy cheese on it. It's it's good stuff. I think what I think that's awesome. I love yeah. I like pastrami. I like corned beef too. Uh, those are both some of my favorites. Um, so, but speaking of corned beef, as we were floating this Labor Day, talking about what we were going to make out of those geese, we uh, Adam mentioned he wanted to do a, like a corned beef. I said oh, I do pastrami. It's it's similar process, right? It's just the ends different. Like for pastrami, you smoke it to get your end result. For the corned beef, after you brine it, you essentially bake it. So, so the the, not bake the it, process. But, but. So a little bit different seasonings, right? So um, pastrami, you're going to you will cure it. And then you season the outside of it, right? And then, yeah, you smoke right. it. You can roast it in the oven as well, too. Um, for corned beef, typically, like corned beef, a lot of corned beef was, some of it was boiled, some of it was, uh, like, braised, things like that, because, you know, different cuts, uh, but still, like, that long, slow cooking. Um, you could also smoke corned beef, too, I would imagine, or corned venison or corn. Uh, corned goose or whatever like that. Like the corning is just the process of the curing and the the complement of the sort of quote unquote pickling spices. Um, just like with everything else, though, even with like the pastrami and uh, the corned venison or corned goose, whatever. Like you just got to watch it and make sure they don't dry out. I think that's probably like one of the biggest challenges. Yeah, and with with goose, you can eat. It's not like chicken where you have to cook it well done. So I, you know, I cook it to like 135, 140, pull it off, slice it thin. So another cool one too is, uh, so we just posted this one up in, in February and it's by one of our contributors, Heidi Chaya. And she made uh, smoked venison country ham and biscuits. So what the title doesn't tell you is there's like a uh, green tomato jam in there, which is pretty good. Uh, but she uses just kosher salt and sugar, uh, and cures like a five pound venison hind leg, uh, over two days. But if you want to use other weights, you use, uh, weigh your venison leg in grams and then you measure out 1% of its weight in kosher salt and an equal amount of sugar. And so uh, you got to do a little bit of math. You'll find like when you start diving into some of the curing and sausage making, like uh, dealing weights versus uh, volume measurements because it'd be a little more exact. Same with baking breads too. Um, but she vac seals the leg after it's kind of rubbed down uh, and then puts it in uh, – they put it in the refrigerator and they did it two pounds, two days per pound of venison so they did six a six pound leg so about 12 days and they flipped the meat once a day um and they removed the leg from the vac bag and then charcoal smoked it 175 um looks like they did a couple different methods so they used uh charcoal um smoked the venison indirect heat five to eight hours until the turn internal temperature reached 120 to 140 so, pretty good. Sounds good. I like yeah, ham. Sounds interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I might save save a whole back leg and try that. Yeah, I think I have an antelope ham still that I was waiting to, to save as well. Um, but also, too, another good one. And I don't know. Oh. So, another good one, too, is to can the meat, right? So in order to do that, we did a whole episode, episode 423 on canning, pickling game fish and wild edibles. Uh, I think that's a, that's a cool way to get meat out of the freezer and onto the shelves. Um, 
there's so many resources out there and we go into a lot of it on that episode. Um, but, uh, you will want a pressure canner for that. Not a, you do not want a water bath can your, your meat. Um, that's goes against the rules of food safety and is not a, not a great thing, but you can do that. You can add seasons to it. You can just use regular broths. You can use, uh, you know, make stroganoff or spaghetti sauce or different things. There are so many recipes for canning either ground or steak or other types of meat. And then, then it then becomes shelf stable. And so you can take it out of the freezer and put it in the pantry. Um, pretty pretty interesting i think who is it uh danielle pruitt does a really good job of like creating some meals and stuff and then she like takes it takes them out uh camping with her and like reheats them and things like that so some cool cool thoughts when you think about canning um have you done done much canning Corey? uh not a ton i've i've canned venison before um but it's it's only when I have an overabundance of meat that I I'll I'll do it and that doesn't happen often. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and then the last one, this is Corey's least favorite, mine too. <laughs> Not really. We all love it. Uh, giving it away, either sharing it cooked, <laughs> or <laughs> sharing it cooked, or giving away raw cuts for people to prepare. Uh, I think that's a really great I, way. I much rather share it at a meal together yeah. than just giving <laughs> giving a, a cut to someone. But I think that's, I'm stingy with my meat. <laughs> I think that's part of being a good uh, venison diplomat. You got to be willing just to give it away sometimes. And uh, I think sharing it via a prepared meal is probably the best way because you get to hang out and talk about it. But I think if somebody's like, man, I'd really like some of that, uh, some of that antelope, you do that. That reminds me of my father-in-law. Every time he comes comes to visit, I send him home with uh, with ground ground game steaks, whatever, because he he loves it. He's like, it's so good. When and then, when uh, when someone says that to me, I'll be like, yeah, you should take up hunting, and then that's the end <laughs> of the conversation. You're supposed to say, I'll take you out hunting, and then we can share it together. Yeah. Oh, you got to be a venison diplomat, Corey. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. So I think that's kind of, uh, I think those are the really great ways to go through, through the freezer. Uh, There's a lot of great resources. I know we, we, we talked about a lot of information here. We'll make sure that all those recipes are linked in the show notes so that you can click through them uh, and visit our site and see Corey, any, any last thoughts? Um, I mean, it's getting that to that time of year. Everybody's uh, getting out into the woods and uh, fields and forests to uh, to start hunting. So, good luck out there and uh, be safe. Yeah. Um, I will say this: uh, enjoy enjoy the last of the off season before the the hunting season starts, and enjoy the hunting season when it starts. Like. Uh, why not? Um, hope that you enjoyed some of these resources we put forward today. Uh, I think there's some great recipes. Um, some of them by my own hands, some of them by the hands of others who are very capable and know what they're doing and, uh, very great ways to get out. I really do encourage you. Like I, we were joking about it earlier, but I encourage folks like cook meals, share meals with non hunters or people who are interested. Like it's a great segue into getting folks into the support uh, hunting, and I think it's a great way to save for fishing too. Um, understanding that there's a lot you can do with game meats is always great because you can then translate uh, game meat into other types of recipes. As you'll see on the Antler and Finn podcast, uh, it's very easy to do that. And uh, I will say that thanks everybody for listening. And be sure that you head over to social media and make sure you're following Harvesting Nature so you can stay up to date on all the cool, exciting things we're doing. We're still doing hats for reviews. We've never stopped that. Um, we're looking for some good reviews. Help us get get back to the top in, in rankings. Uh, leave a review. Let us know. We'll 
send you a hat, read the review on the air. I think it's always a great thing. There's a little button in the show note links that says rate this podcast. If you click that and leave a written review, then we'll read it online and call you out. And then uh, and then you can get a free hat, a free lid for your dome, if you want to call it that way. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, whatever podcast platform you're listening to, be sure to punch that five-star button. Like I said, leave us a view. Tell us we're doing wrong or, you know, tell us we're doing right. Thanks, everybody. Have a good night.